You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. The Collected Podcast is sponsored in part by Beauty Counter. Use the link in our show notes to shop for all of your clean beauty needs and 10% of the profits will go directly back to benefiting the podcast. Also, use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off of your first purchase. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 8 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I am so excited to bring you Part 9 of our Names of God series. So I don't have a guest this week. Um, It's just me sharing from my heart what I've been learning about the name of Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, our source of victory, the one who fights for us, the light that we carry into the darkness. Um, So in this series, we're highlighting different names and character attributes of the Lord um, because I truly believe that understanding who God is and who we are in Him are vital parts of walking in the freedom and remaining rooted in who we are created to be and experiencing the victory of Christ is, I think, what we all desire for in our lives as we walk with Him. And so I didn't think there was any better name to cover this week than Jehovah Nisi. Again, that means the Lord, our banner, our source of victory. Um, And so today we're going to see a lot of like warfare and battle imagery as this metaphor for— victory over the flesh and our sinful desires. So just kind of a heads up of where we're headed. But the first time that we see this name of God in the Bible is in Exodus 17, 15. So this is during the nation of Israel's first war since leaving Egypt. They have been freed from Egypt, and although they have seen God show up in powerful, miraculous ways, many of the Israelites were feeling weak and weary. They've been traveling through the desert Um, You know, they've had issues with finding a water source. They've had some complaints thus far. We shared a little bit about that um, when I talked last month. Um, But at this point in the story, they're at a very low point. And at that point, they're attacked by the Amalekites. So this was an unprovoked attack from behind, trying to take out the weakest and slowest that would naturally have found their way to the back of the pack. In Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 18, the scene is described. Again, it says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary. He did not fear God. So that is another description of the same battle. But let's take a look now at Exodus 17, 8 through 16, where this story takes place. So verse 8 says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. So again, I'm already going to pause because we have a people group and we have a location. So I want to talk briefly about each of those. First of all, the Amalekites are the descendants of Esau. So we remember Jacob and Esau um, were brothers, and the Israelites are the descendants of Jacob, and the Amalekites are the descendants of Esau. So there's already a deep history between these people, uh, between these two groups. And then we see the location of Rephidim. And again, geographical location, 
There's always some sort of sweet insight for us whenever I see a name of a place. And this one is no different. So Rephidim is Hebrew for place of rest. And the Israelites have been traveling in the wilderness. They've had so many moments of feeling weak and weary, and yet now they find themselves finally (laughs) at a place of rest. I just imagine, they're like, oh, okay, we have enough water. Earlier in the chapter, God had done another miracle where He brought water out of a rock. So it's like they're in this oasis. They can kind of exhale. And so I wonder if their defenses were down. I wonder if they were caught off guard by an unprovoked enemy attack. And how often is that how attacks come up in our own lives, right? When we've let our defenses down, and that is the very thing that the devil needs to catch us off guard and exploit our weakness. Yet, even though the Israelites were caught off guard, and we can often find ourselves caught off guard, God is never surprised. The Lord is never caught off guard. He is never caught in a moment of weakness. So, The enemy here we see with the Amalekites, and I think we see it in our own lives with the devil being the enemy, um, has no respect for the sacred places in our lives. He will come at you with everything in his arsenal, yet you serve Jehovah Nisi, the God who has the final say and the ultimate victory— but more on that later, kind of getting ahead of myself or myself. So— Historians believe that this spot of Rephidim was near an oasis in the the desert. So some believe that the Amalekites were fighting over access to a water source. And if you believe the Bible, which I do, you know, that water source may have just been created. It may have been a newly created oasis from Moses striking the rock with his staff and creating that water source to give the people what they need. Um, But either way, there is evidence of water erosion in this place, even though it's in the desert. So when I read this, this idea that the Amalekites are trying to fight over the water, which we know in the ancient world, water equals life. Water is how you grow crops, how you can travel and trade, how you really feed your people. Without a water source, you die. And so water had a huge value, but it hits me to my core here because the Israelites had left Egypt. And since they left Egypt, God had already done three mind-blowing miracles related to water. First, He parted the Red Sea, which is water, allowing the Israelites to cross on dry land and escape the pursuing Egyptian army. Number two, he made the bitter water of Mara sweet to drink, which is what we talked about last month uh, with the name of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, how he healed the water and he heals our souls. And then number three, most recently, as we've mentioned a few times already, he brought brought water out of the rock in order to provide for his people. So God has already gone above and beyond to show his people over and over again that he will not allow them to die of thirst in the desert and that he is sovereign over all things, even water. So when I learned that the Amalekites were attacking over control of a water source, It just about fell over with the revelation that we are so often going to battle over things that God has already freely given us. We stress and we worry about things that we already have access to through Christ. Sit with that. I mean, what in your life are you 
fighting for or fighting over that you already are able to claim as a son or daughter of the Lord Most High. And we'll talk more later on about the work that Christ did and the ultimate victory we have in Christ. But this just really, really struck me. And before we go on, I I don't want to rush through that. Um, So I want to read again this last sentence that we so often go to battle over the things that God has already freely given us. Stop stressing and stop worrying about the things that you already have full access to through Christ. I don't know who needs to hear that. Maybe it was just me, um, but I believe that's for someone else out there. So, mm, I don't want to rush through that, but I'm going to keep going because I guess being silent on a podcast feels awkward. So if you need to pause and just sit with that longer, please pause me. So back to our story. We didn't make it very far. We got through verse 8. So I'm going to read verse 8 again. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, he took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. I'm going to pause again. We're not quite done. There's a couple more verses. But I think this is a powerful truth for us here that Moses' hands are raised in a posture of surrender, and that would have been a very typical posture of prayer at this time. And when he prayed, the Israelites won. I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this is God very, very clearly telling us that there is power in prayer, and that prayer is essential to victory over any challenges we face in this life. And so, I, I mean, I think— I know I sometimes can grow weary in prayer, especially if it's something I've been praying over for a very long time and I don't seem to see the movement or the change or the revelation or whatever it is that I'm praying for. Uh, but, But there is power in prayer and we don't see fully or even at all right now on this side of heaven, what our prayers do in the spiritual realm. But all over the Bible, there's examples of the prayers of people like you and me impacting the spiritual realms. And so never take the privilege of prayer for granted. And do it more. Even if you feel like you already pray a lot, pray more. I mean, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, and I think just our very thought life could be an act of prayer um, and just constant communion with the Lord. And I think not only does that impact things in the spiritual realm, but that shifts our own perspective and impacts 
our spirit and our our very soul as we lean more into the power of Christ and stop relying on our own strength and our own power to get things done or to overcome something. Um, The other thing I love in this part of the passage is that when Moses grew tired, he had a community to support him and to lift him up. We are not meant to do this Christian life alone. We need each other. And if you're feeling isolated, I challenge you to get out there and join a church community and plug yourself into a Bible study or a small group. And even if it feels awkward at first, start to build those connections because there is power in being able to encourage one another to stand firm and to pray for one another and to hold each other up when another is feeling weak, because there will be moments where we all fall short, where we all grow weary. And that's when we need each other for encouragement and accountability and all those things. Um, So I love that. Continuing on, we're on verse 14. This is our last section, 14 through 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, write on this scroll Write write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. There it is, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation the word of the Lord. So there in verse 15, we see the name of God used for the very first time as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And according to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, a banner is a flag or standard carried by the head of a military band um, or body to indicate the line of march or the rallying point. In ancient times, a banner may not have been like a cloth flag. Like I picture a banner kind of waving in the breeze. Um, But rather, in ancient times, a banner was often a bare pole with a bright, shining ornament or object that would sparkle in the sun. I love this imagery that the Lord is the light that we shine into the world, and the world will recognize that we are His by the light that we carry. Mm, that is so good too. I mean, just all this imagery of the Lord is so rich that He infuses these little gems and details that are just so beautiful. I don't know. It's just another picture of His goodness, in my opinion. So many Bible scholars believe that for modern day application of this passage, the Amalekites are a representation of our flesh or our sinful nature. And I kind of mentioned that at the top, that we're getting a lot of battle imagery in this passage. I mean, the Israelites were in a literal battle, so that is literal. Um, but for us talking today about Jehovah Nisi, I, I truly don't believe that this name of the Lord is telling us that God wants us to go and literally get in fights and go to war. Um, I think this is talking about our internal spiritual war against our own sinful nature and against the evil and the darkness in this world. So um, I like this quote from David 
Guzik of the Enduring Word Commentary. He explains, because of God's strong command to battle against Amalek until they were completely conquered, many see the Amalekites as a picture of our flesh, the unspiritual aspect of man that makes war against the spirit. In this sense, Amalek constantly battles against the spirit and must be struggled against until completely conquered, Um, end quote there. And so I think that's a great explanation of how a lot of historians pull out this metaphor. And um, in Galatians 5, we see some light here on our sinful nature that we're constantly battling. So in Galatians, Paul gives us kind of this list of things that are quote-unquote acts of the flesh. He says sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, um, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, this is Paul speaking, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. Here are the things that we have access to through our victory in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, if the Lord is our banner— then He is shining light into the darkest places of our sinful nature, and He is the one providing victory over that darkness inside of us. So this is not a fight that we are fighting against the outside world necessarily. This isn't saying go pick a fight with your neighbor. This is the battle for our very souls that's being raged inside of us, in our spirit. Um, also, in ancient times, the banner or pole that you would carry into battle showed everyone around you where your allegiance lies. So, who were you fighting for? Whose hill were you willing to die on? And so, it's a mark of your identity, and it was a sign to everyone around you who you were and who you belonged to. Whose hill were you willing to die on? I'll say that again, because in the New Testament, there's a very literal hill that someone died on, and Jesus Christ was lifted up also on a pole, on a cross, to give us victory over sin and death once and for all. And I mean, that is the ultimate banner of victory, the ultimate act of Jehovah Nisi, the final act of crushing death. And um, Herbert Lockyer in his book, The Names and Titles of God, which I highly recommend everyone go out and buy. I quote it in literally every message that I give. I have at least one quote from him. Um, He says, the word Nisi itself has some interesting implications and is rendered standard or ensign. We see that in Isaiah. And it's used as sign in Numbers 26.10 and as a pole in connection with the brazen spirit lifted up upon it to give life to Israel. Um, If you're not sure what story I'm talking about with like serpents and poles and healing, look up Numbers 26. It's a very interesting story. We don't have time to get into it today. Um, But our Savior was lifted up upon the pole and 
By all He accomplished upon it, we have victory over the world, flesh, and the devil. The Lord Himself is the victory over the Amaleks we face, and He is our banner leading up always in triumph. Okay, I love how every single name of God in the Old Testament points directly to the work that Jesus would do in the New Testament. I mean, think of that. Every every name we've covered so far, and there's so many we haven't even touched upon yet, but every single one, Jesus, like, dealt with in some way. Jesus is a tangible embodiment of every single aspect of the character of God. In our last message, we talked about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Jesus literally healed people's physical bodies, and He also brought healing and balm for their souls. Um, We've talked about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Again, Jesus over and over in His lifetime provided for the physical needs of people, providing food and bread and water. And He also, again, provided for their spiritual needs. He provided redemption and restoration and forgiveness and victory, Jehovah Nisi. Um, so, and I mean, we could just keep going through. Um, who? What else have we studied? We studied El Olam, the Lord Eternal, Eternal God. Jesus was the Word. He was with God in the beginning. What was it? Jesus was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. In the, I, whatever that is in John, First John. Um, but the Lord has been there through it all, and He will continue to be there. Jesus will. He was there in the beginning. He came here on earth, and then He will be there at the end again, and we will see the like final, ultimate battle and victory. Um, yeah, so I have gone off script, obviously. I'm all over the place now, but I just get so excited about how we see each of these different names of God from the Old Testament embodied in such beautiful, tangible ways that people could actually touch and see in front of them in the New Testament through the person of Jesus. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 57 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So heading back to Exodus in the Old Testament, we see God fight two different battles in a relatively short period of time. So in Exodus 14, God protects the Israelites from the pursuing Egyptians. And now in Exodus 17, He defends them against the Amalekites. However, there are some distinctions between these two battles that I think are important for us to notice. And I think that there are two different ways, at least just in this passage, um, for that God tells His people to fight. And there might be more in other parts of the Bible, but focusing on these two different battles that are kind of back-to-back, we see that God is first asking His people to fight in stillness, and then He's asking them to fight in action. So the first is in stillness, where I think that sometimes God directs us to be still so that He can show up and He can win the battle. We see this earlier in the story, Exodus 14, 14, where the Egyptians are quickly advancing upon the Israelites, but Moses tells them, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. 
The second way that God tells his people to respond or to quote unquote fight is in action with a literal fight. Sometimes God prompts you to be still and to wait for him to work, but other times God is leading you to get in the battle and fight. This is what we see when the Israelites face the Amalekites. But even in this, God is still the source of the victory. So the prayers that Moses, the prayers of Moses sustained the people, and God though, could have won the battle without the help of the Israelites, but they could not have won it without him. So anything you are facing, God could go it alone, but I think it's so powerful and beautiful that he welcomes us in and lets us be a part of the victory to experience that with him and to be strengthened and to grow and be encouraged and and see him allow us to accomplish things that we could never have done on our own strength. Like the fact that he allows us to be a part of the story in that way is so cool. Like he's just so good. So I want you to think about, is there an area in your life where you feel like God might be leading you to be still and let him fight for you? Maybe you've done all you can do in your own power. Maybe you feel stuck or discouraged. Um, maybe that's something you need to relay, release into the capable, loving hands of Jehovah Nisi. Because with this name of God, you know, this banner and victory, and it's all this like battle imagery. And yet, Song of Solomon 2.4 says, he brought me to his banquet house. His banner over me is love. He is a God of love, even when he is fighting, fighting to end the darkness and to shine his light into our lives and into this world. He's doing it all through love. It always comes back to his deep, gracious, unending, all-consuming love for his people. Everything he did, every story in the Old Testament points to Jesus who was the ultimate gift and sacrifice of God's love. Mm. So let his banner of love cover you and give you the rest that your soul so deeply longs for. I think somebody out there needs that, needs to be still and breathe deeply in the love of the Lord and let him fight this one for you. Let him work behind the scenes to change someone else's heart or to clear the obstacle or to get you through the temptation. Whatever battle you're facing, allow him to fight this one for you. Or perhaps there's a situation in your life where you feel God calling you to action. And it may be the time to make the change, to have the tough conversation, to take a stand for what you know is right. So there are so many times where we do need to take the steps. We do need to, quote unquote, fight and stand up for what is right, even when it's hard. So whatever season you're in, the beautiful thing is that you can be confident that Christ has the ultimate victory. Even if we don't experience the freedom and relief on this side of heaven, we know that Christ has the final say, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will, pro will proclaim that He is Lord. 
1 John 5, 4 through 5 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you've never believed that, then first of all, I'm so thankful that you've made it this far in the podcast. But there is no better time than right now to give your life fully to Christ who gave his whole life for you and who has already won the victory. All you need to do is surrender and give him your yes and see how he starts to change you from the inside out as your, as his light now is in you and shines out of you. And that doesn't mean life all of a sudden becomes easy. It's quite the opposite. It may be very, very difficult. And it may be even harder when you're having to make changes to overcome the this like normal sinful nature that we all fall into. And nobody is going to be perfect. I'm not saying this to shame anybody or make anybody feel like, well, you have sin, so you don't have victory. That's not what I'm saying at all. The beautiful thing about the grace of God is he knew we needed Jesus because we can't do it on our own. And what he did on the cross is enough to cover everything you've ever done and ever will do. All you have to do is say yes. But then our desire to walk in that freedom and in that victory and get healing, it's not so that we can earn our salvation because the salvation's already done. The reason we want to walk in the victory is so that we can experience His blessing more and more. And this isn't some sort of prosperity gospel either. It's not like, well, if I do good, then I'll be blessed. That's not the kind of cause and effect relationship. But over time, as you seek Him, you learn that nothing else matters. That it doesn't matter what you lose or gain in this life if you're blessed with riches or relationships or whatever it may be, none of it matters other than the joy of knowing the Lord and His peace that passes understanding and His hope that He will do all He said He will do and that there's so much more awaiting us as we seek Him. There's just no greater joy even when the world seems to be falling apart. And that is something that does not logically make sense. That isn't something that that is of this world. So I just, I want everyone to be able to have that. And it's available to every single person All you have to do is say yes. Um, So I want to leave us with this final thought from Kay Arthur in her book, Lord, I Want to Know You. She states, True, the battle rages between flesh and spirit as it did between Joshua and Amalek in the Valley of Rephidim. But look up. Look up. She only says it once, but I felt like it needed to be said twice. There on the holy mount of heavenly Zion is the Son of God with His arms extended high, even living to make intercession for you. 
That's a reference to Hebrews 7.25. All power and authority has been given to Him, and what is His is yours. You are a joint heir with Christ, Romans 8.17. Therefore, you have no reason or excuse for waving the flag of surrender. Stand firm. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, Ephesians 6.10. Fight the good fight, 2 Timothy 4.7. Of course, there is a battle. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in His triumph in Christ, 2 Corinthians 2.14. So even if you feel like you're surrounded by darkness, maybe even right now in this moment, I want you to be reminded and empowered to know that you carry the banner of light. So find peace in the knowledge that He is fighting on your behalf and He will never give up on you. Our last verse I want to leave you with today is 1 Corinthians 15, 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Amen. I long for the day when we will see death swallowed up in victory. But until that day, my sisters and brothers out there, um, stand firm with Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner of victory, the light that we carry into the darkness. He fights for us. He is fighting for you. He has already won the victory in His death and resurrection on the cross. And we just long for the day when He makes it all, makes it all final, right? Um, so, That is my message for you today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show and ever want to support us financially, uh, we can always use that. There are quite a few expenses that go into a podcast. So I'm hugely grateful to all the people who are monthly donors or have given one-time gifts. It just is such a blessing and so humbling that, that people would support this work um, with their finances. And if you can't give money, I completely understand and I covet your prayers because this message was a lot about those moments when you're feeling weak and weary and want to give up the fight. And I've got to be honest that I have felt that a lot with this podcast. Um, it's it's hard to keep up momentum sometime, sometimes. And once once I start, I love it, you know, but I've just felt this like lack of motivation to keep going, um, just to be very honest with you. And I'm going to keep going because I believe I'm supposed to, but I need your prayers for a direction, for motivation, um, for wisdom, for guests. If I'm supposed to have guests, I don't know, the guests seem to slowly be drying up. Um, So I don't know if that's God directing me into sharing more of my own messages. Um, But whatever it may be, I covet your prayers and I'm so grateful for them. So thank you for listening, for praying, for giving of your time. I know there are so many options out there. So I'm so grateful whenever someone chooses the Collected Podcast. And I just pray that, that God used it to speak to you and to meet you right where you are. Because every time I do an episode, my prayer is always, 
that God would have the glory and that He would guide the conversation and the words and that it would be exactly what someone out there needs to hear. And so I pray that that's what it was for you today. So I am praying for you as well, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries.